0: I mean, he hasn't responded to we anything. We
1: are live. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> it is the start of the show, obviously. We are going to kick things off with our intro, and then we're going to get into a whole bunch of stuff. It's going to be a really good show today. It's our first like non-interview show in a while where we were prepared to not do an interview. I mean, the last two, there was no interview, but that was... we thought Yeah, going to
0: be, not yeah. our fault.
1: We are actually <laughs> prepared for this one. So hopefully you guys enjoy it. A lot of news has happened since we did our last show, so... We'll roll right into that right after our uh, intro here.
2: Jordan. Oh, a spectacular move by Michael Jordan. Drives one out to deep left field. This one's got a chance to get out of here. Go! Three run Jimmy Jacks first. Big league home run for Mike Trout. Pass is intercepted at the goal. And an 81 point game, 55 in the second half. Ladies and gentlemen, you have witnessed the second greatest short performance in NBA history.
1: Thank you for joining Infinity Sports. You are tuning in to us live either on Facebook via the Infinity Sports page or the RTF page, or you are tuning in on YouTube. Those are the three, excuse me, stuttering. (laughs) Those are the three places you're going to find the show live. If you miss any part of the show, or maybe you're tuning in, on the rtf network tomorrow or thursday at 1 p.m our show gets replayed but it's only for an hour so you may not get the whole show if we run a little long you can find us on itunes spotify and stitcher and the live video will be up on youtube usually takes about a day to get up you can find us on Facebook where you are right now, either at Infinity Sports Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Infinity Sports Podcast or on Twitter at Sports Infinity 5. And if you don't want to remember all of that or write it all down, you can visit the website www.InfinitySportsPodcast.com. It has the links to all of our social media as well as to YouTube. We also have a great store on there. You can buy Infinity Sports merchandise, including 12 is Greater Than 9. I'm wearing the hoodie in the back. You'll see that as soon as I get these you know, images down. And of course, we just added a Sully collection, which yes. is our first shirt, gold jacket, green jacket, who gives a shit? And you can get the t shirt, you can get the hoodie, you can get, you know, women's clothing, uh, whatever you really like.
0: I mean, how can you not love that?
1: Yeah, it's great. I figure you know, any great sayings that we have, we got the 12 is greater than nine. There's a shirt, I promise I yeah, pointed out. Sure. We got the, uh, you know, green jacket, gold jacket. And obviously, as we, you know, continue there'll be things that happen and things that we say that are funny and we want to promote them on the clothing we can do that so we've got a Sully collection don't have a Wayne collection because yeah everything show related is a Wayne collection so
0: yeah for sure I mean it should just be the the Sully collection presented by Wayne right
1: yeah sure why not (laughs) I'm like Vera Wayne You're like P. Diddy. (laughs) I guess I could have picked a guy.
0: (laughs) Exactly.
1: Uh, This is a big show today. We've got a lot of news. Like I said, we've got NBA. We're going to be talking playoffs, NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball, and what's going on with that. And we've got a couple of big controversies this past week that we're going to talk about. One of them we created, and then uh, the other one, (laughs) we didn't didn't create it. We kind of just got it out there. Yeah. And then the other one was brought up by Stephen A Smith, so you guys may know what that is. Infinity 5 if we get to it, we're going to see how much time we got. The Infinity 5 is going to be what we would like to see as a halftime show at the Super Bowl. Now I've got at least one that I've been thinking over a decade they should be doing and I still think it would be cool. So we'll get to that. But
0: first that, honestly.
1: Yeah, first let's get to the news. I always like when I don't drop things during the, the news music. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it comes clean through.
1: Yeah. So yeah. we always start off the news with this day in history. And I've got a few dates here. One of them is going to come with a video. I'm going to try to implement more video overlays so people can kind of see some cool videos other than just us. All right. But the first one we got here, this day in history, I actually have a nice little screenshot. On this day in history, September 4th, 1991, Major League Baseball votes to remove the asterisk next to Roger Maris's 61 home runs. I don't think it should have been there in the first place. That's just stupid.
0: It, it is stupid. Uh, for those who don't know, it was there because of the games. He played more games, and so they decided he needed an asterisk. Uh, I think it's stupid. There should be no asterisks in record books ever.
1: They shouldn't exist. Now, I 100% agree, whether it's steroids, no asterisk, whether it's – I don't. I know you don't love the Astros. I still think no asterisk. I mean let's not be babies about Throwing asterisks on things.
0: Well, I agree. I don't. Th- I think they should have had that whole championship stripped. I don't think it should be an asterisk. So, I, I guess that's. I, I agree there. I mean, they won. They just. they They're in there. There shouldn't be an asterisk next to it. It should either go away or just leave it how it is.
1: Now, if there is anything that deserves an asterisk, which I don't think there is, but if there is anything, I would think it would be the 1919 Chicago White Sox, only because they lost the game on purpose. I mean, yeah. you can't really count that.
0: You know. No, no, I, I actually kind of agree there. Um, you know, again though, it's tough. I mean, I don't, I don't fundamentally agree with Astros, so I'm not gonna, you know, change my opinion on that one.
1: Now, Triple Shot Sports joins us as usual. Green is greater than gold.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I guess maybe because green is real and gold is fictitious.
0: It must be, yeah. Uh...
1: The asterisk on Maris was the dumbest thing baseball ever did. I, well, baseball's look done a
0: lot of dumb shit. So. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be real, man. That is one of their. Th- I mean, I'll give you top three, top five dumbest things, but they've done a lot of dumb things. I mean, I mean, Pete Rose still being banned is is just one of the dumbest things ever.
1: Or how about you know the Major League Baseball All-Star Game where Bud Selig just called just it as a top
0: it, and, oh, yeah. Oh
1: my god! Because they ran out of pitchers. <laughs> <Just laughs>
0: the only, like, the only, baseball is the only sport that would do something that stupid.
1: That's yeah, ridiculous. Uh, September 5th, 1906. This is a huge event, historically, and you think about the impact. 1906, St. Louis University quarterback Bradbury Robinson throws the first ever legal forward pass.
0: Oh, wow. You think now, I mean, the, the game's just a total different, you know, beast. But, wow, that's, that's incredible. I, I, I've never watched a game that old. Where you couldn't throw the ball? Have you ever seen anything that like? Can you well, watch? They,
1: games they, that old? I don't think they had TV that back. That's then. what I
0: was say. Can you watch games that old? I didn't. I didn't know, but I mean, they've got. They've had to have had something, right? I mean, they've, I don't know. they've got video of like you know the San Francisco in like 1890 and shit. So they've got to have yeah. they, you'd think somebody would have videotaped a football game at some point.
1: I guess uh, yeah, somewhere.
0: But I'd love to see no throw
1: football. Yeah, just run, 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 punt. Run, yeah. run, run, punt back the other way.
0: Oh, <laughs> well, I mean, more or less, like, why would you ever have a deep safety? Like,
1: yeah. <laughs> uh, also September 5th, 1925, Bobby Jones wins the U.S. Amateur. Now, I brought this up because we talked about a, a, an episode or two ago about the Grand Slam and how Bobby Jones is the only player to win a calendar year Grand Slam, but it was the two British uh, – It was a British Open, British Amateur, U.S. Open, U.S. Amateur, not the four Mm -hmm. major tournaments. But I also brought it up because we mentioned a couple episodes ago The Legend of Bagger Vance uh, because you mistakenly said that. But I do like that movie, and Bobby Jones and Walter Hagen obviously go up against each other uh, and Matt Damon. So I thought it was kind of a – I love that
0: movie. I I love that movie.
1: I don't know why I do too, and there's so many great lines in that. Like if you're a golfer – the scene where Bagger Vance first is walking towards Matt Damon while he's hitting balls off into the field, and he says, "What are you? What are you doing? I could have killed you." He goes, "Oh, oh no, sir! I just made a line straight towards you, and I figured I'd be perfectly safe." <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's actually hilarious. Like yeah. I, man, that movie, Will Smith is just so good. I think that's why. I mean, the, the combination of Will Smith and Matt Damon, and then you know, obviously, it's very nostalgic, and so it's it's. I I think that's what kind of hooks up people in, even though it's a golf movie.
1: Yeah, and I think that Bobby Jones in that movie really is more accurate to what Bobby Jones was in real life. They did a movie called Bobby Jones where uh, Jim Caviezel played Bobby Jones. And he just looks weird. He just doesn't look like
0: Bobby Jones. Yeah, yeah, I feel you.
1: Uh, September 5th again, 1994, Jerry Rice catches two touchdown passes and runs for a touchdown to pass Jim Brown's touchdown record of 127.
0: Jerry Rice is just a man. Yeah,
1: he's, he's great. No, he's,
0: he's one of the greatest conundrums to me in sports too because you look at him and you look at his his just numbers you know, physically wise and you shouldn't be a good football player. And yet he's, arguably I mean, uh, – not arguably. I mean, yeah, I guess the uh, Randy Moss has an argument, and he's arguably the greatest receiver of all time. You know, most would consider him the greatest receiver of all time, and he he owns all these records that are never going to get broken. And the guy runs a four seven. Like it's just wild. <laughs> well,
1: and we talked about Antonio Brown a lot of times, and Antonio Brown and how he uses his body to create separation and to create space to get the ball. And I feel like Jerry Rice did that, but he wasn't a head case like Antonio Brown. And you know, statistically, you could say Jerry Rice is the greatest receiver of all time. I know a lot of people do. I look at ability, and I really think that I would put Megatron and Randy Moss ahead of Jerry Rice.
0: See, the only reason why I I, I couldn't do that is because I don't. Calvin doesn't have, I think, the same skill set. So Calvin Johnson is a great player. He's a great receiver. He's a freak athlete. He doesn't have the route running ability that Jerry Rice did. Um, He just was, and now don't get me wrong, he was still fantastic in his own right. I'm not taking anything away from Calvin Johnson. You talk about separation and using their body, and that's what made Jerry Rice elite. He was smarter than everybody else on the field, and he was able to do things with his body and hips and head to be able to create separation that got him open. And I just, I mean, you just can't deny what he did. I I agree. I actually have Randy Moss ahead of him, um, but I, I think Jerry Rice is the clear two. I think it's, you know, jerry randy and then another tier and then i've got uh excuse me i got calvin and to in that same tier that's next
1: see i think calvin is so superior to to in the sense that i mean again six six four two nine forty inch vertical i mean they did a sports science thing where they said if you threw the ball within a 40 yard diameter of him he would get the ball
0: Yeah, and and he does. Again, I just think, you know, it's the other little things. Like, Terrell Owens, after the catch, is, I mean, almost second to none to, you know, this list. And then, you know, he also has incredible route running ability. His ability to go over the middle is, you know, obviously well-known and legendary. You know, he is a head case, you know, so that has a lot to do with it. But, I mean, I think – I mean, I put – I'm moving Julio Jones up that list every day, too. So, He's one that uh, I think he's the. I think he's. Him and, Cal, him and Calvin Johnson are very, very, very similar player to me.
1: Uh, September 6th, 1995. We've got another video for you. Hey. If my friend Kevin is watching, this one is for you. It's a 35 or 40 second clip, so I hope you all enjoy it. I was watching live when this happened.
2: And let it be said that number eight, Cal Ripken Jr., has reached the unreachable star.
1: It's like Kobe's eighty-one. How can you not get goosebumps, you know, uh, watching
0: that? I mean, it is incredible to watch. Uh, I mean, Cal Ripken's the epitome of a stat stuffer, you know, just from longevity, though.
1: Now, I actually thought the crazy thing when we talk about broadcasting and you talk about, you know, announcers and not stepping on themselves or not stepping on their toes, whatever it is. Cal Ripken, when he said, you know, Cal Ripken has become, you know, the, the all-time whatever he said there. That was the last word spoken for 35 minutes during the broadcast because Cowderpin came out, he waved his hat, he walked around the outfield, he shook hands with people who were in the stands, and the announcers didn't say a single word the entire time he was walking around the field.
0: 35 minutes? Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's respect. I mean, I actually love that. I think it adds so much to it. That's incredible.
1: But like I said, I was watching that live. Obviously, I think most people were. It's like the home run chase. You knew he was going to break it that day. You know, so everyone just kind of tuned in and watched. I think he had a home run that game too.
0: I think he did too, as well. Actually, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I think you're right.
1: And then the All Star game, of course, his last yeah. All Star game. You know, Chanho Park grooved one to him and
0: yeah, he went yard in like, that. I know. They just fucking laid one nice and nice and saucy like out there for him.
1: Now the last one I have here for the this day in history, September seventh, nineteen eighty six. Dan Marino becomes the youngest player to 100 touchdowns. Now we talked about Dan Marino versus Joe Montana. We talked about how Montana is the better quarterback. Marino might be the better passer. yeah and yeah. I the reason it's so hard for me to say the better passer isn't the better quarterback is because I really feel and I hate playing the if game we both know that but just if you swap them out if, if Montana's on that dolphins, team and marinos with those 49ers teams i mean i just feel like you're talking six seven brady like numbers with the championships
0: i mean i do too but you don't like unfortunately we don't know that you know and and that is the if game like we don't know what would have happened i mean maybe joe montana goes down there and makes that dolphin squad a bunch of winners because that's who he is you know what i mean like he's a winner and has that leadership ability and blah blah, blah. you know there's there's two sides to the what if coin um I don't think it takes away from like the so the argument I guess itself is you know, better if you're talking about greater player, I think winning and things obviously comes into play there. If you're talking about more talented player, I think that's where Dan Marino is obviously I think, far ahead of Joe Montana. I I mean, Jamarino's arguably, I think, the best passer to play. I I think it'd be him and Aaron Rodgers right now with the most pure passers that I've seen play.
1: All right. Yeah, I have always been a fan of his. Uh, obviously, that's our last this day in history. Please feel free to comment if you're tuning in. You can comment on Facebook. You can comment on YouTube. It does pop up in our thing here and I can actually put the comment up on screen just like I did with Triple Shot Sports. They like to chime in. We do get a lot of different fans kind of interacting, which we certainly appreciate.
0: Definitely. Going into
1: going into the news news we obviously have the nba playoffs going on right now we've got the lakers made it past they got to the rockets they lost that first game with the rockets but they came back and won last night we've got the milwaukee bucks avoided a sweep against the heat and then the boston celtics went up two zero, zero but then toronto came back and won the two games now just going in order of what we mentioned there the lakers losing the first game coming back winning Do you think this is going to be another Portland where it's like they lost the first game and then went four in a row?
0: 100%. I mean, honestly, I think, you know, the the turnaround in these games is so, so short that, I mean, you know, it just takes some time. Houston's still riding the high of essentially a game seven win. They go in with the more chip on their shoulder. We got to prove we can beat this team. LA's like, eh, they lose that first game. Now they're cooking. You know, you saw the same pattern. AD did it, you know, with the first series, started super slow, and then games two, three, four, five. I mean, we're just lights out. I think it's going to be the same thing. PJ Tucker can, I mean, for how great he is, he's a good player. I, I actually kind of really enjoy watching his game. He can't hang with these boys.
1: No, I like PJ Tucker. I really like Eric Gordon a lot. Um, yeah. I liked him when he was in Indiana. I was thinking he can shoot the three ball as good as anybody. Um, but, yeah, I just don't I just don't think the Lakers can lose. I, I think it's going to be the same thing. I know people have said, oh, well, you know, Russell Westbrook had a bad game. Okay, yeah, sure. And you know what? LeBron had seven turnovers. So, I mean, it's the same thing. You know, he's going to go out there. He's, he had 28, 11, and 9. You know, the <laughs> big thing, actually, if you watch the game, is when Rondo was on the floor. I oh, when Rondo that was on
0: yeah. the yeah. I think they were plus 30 when Rondo was on the floor, plus 28 or something like that. He's, he's the difference maker in the series right now.
1: Yeah, he just finds guys in the best possible spot to get a bucket.
0: He's smart. He's such a smart player, and on defense too. He's such a smart defender. And I mean, they're just going to let Russell Westbrook have his space and just not let him get ahead of steam. And that's how you defend Russell Westbrook because he can't shoot for shit. So, I mean, it's it's. I think they're going to cruise. Honestly, I really do. I,
1: I think so as well. And then, obviously, we go over to the Bucks series. Which the Bucks lost that first game to Orlando, and then they did the, the Lakers thing. They came back four-one and won it. So you thought they looked all right? They looked okay. They figured it out, you know. But then they go to Miami and, or not to Miami, but they're playing against Miami, and they just look like they're done. I mean, I don't think they can come back.
0: No, I mean Miami's just playing so such complete basketball right now. I mean, they're playing extremely well. Tyler Herrero is playing out of his mind. The guy just hits clutch shot after clutch shot. Jimmy Butler's obviously putting that team on his back right now. Um, I got into an argument God, probably about three weeks ago with a guy on Facebook, and he tried to say Jimmy Butler has is a better player than Giannis Anticompo. Um, and I'm like, well, why? How? Explain it. And he says, because he has more heart. And I'm like, well, Jimmy Butler's never made it out of the second round of the playoffs either. So it's, like, it's not like he's led his team to anything. He hasn't done any of this, and now Jimmy Butler's making me eat crow right now. So the, the guy's playing bonkers, and uh, I just think they're playing extremely well. The, the Bucks look done. They did, however, I will give them credit. that the, the lat, When Giannis went out and they spread the floor and forced Goran Dragic to defend one-on-one and forced Tyler Herrero to defend one-on-one, they looked like they kind of figured something out. Um, those guys can, can't be isolated if, if you're Miami. They're going to get beat every time. And so uh, I don't know, maybe – but I mean, we both agree they're they they look done.
1: They're toast. And then even the other they're Eastern toast. Conference, <laughs> <laughs> the, the other Eastern Conference uh, game, series, I had predicted. You know, the Celtics four two. I'm sticking with it. The Celtics four two. I think even the two games. I know the, the Raptors have won back to back games, but that'll happen in a four two series too. Um, what I've noticed is even the games the Celtics lost, they look like the better team on the floor.
0: Yeah, I, I think so too. I can't, I'm trying to struggle why I feel like they've changed their game plan on Pascal Siakam and, and I'm trying to figure out why. And then also the fluke way they, they lost, um what was it? Game, game three. three. That, I mean, for one, the pass over taco fall too, where Kemba throws it over taco fall to get in that corner. And then that shot, I mean, that's just so fluky. And I mean, so the series is totally different if they don't win that. So I actually kind of agree with you. I'd still lean Boston in this series. I actually think it's going to go seven now, though. I really do, um, which you know, I said it was going to go seven, but I actually picked Toronto, I think. Uh, but I think it'll go seven, Boston.
1: I just have a big Brad Stevens fan. Uh, no, I, I hate this. I hate the, hate the Celtics. I'm a Lakers fan, right? So I hate <laughs> the Celtics. But like, there's just something about Brad Stevens where I feel – Almost like a, there's like a Belichickian style to him where he just doesn't seem ever rattled. He's just like, all right, I got a plan for this.
0: He's calm all the time, and and like you said, I mean, they're stupid talented too, so that obviously helps.
1: And then of course the last series, which I didn't even really care about, was the Clippers and the Nuggets, which is one one I think, and I don't eh, I don't care.
0: <laughs> I mean, I think we should care because I'd love to see the Nuggets and not the Clippers uh, if I'm the Lakers, you know, and I'm a Lakers fan. So, but I mean, I agree. <sighs> everybody keeps saying the clippers are going to be a problem for the lakers and i just don't see it from the way they're playing basketball right now i mean i get it they may turn it around and, and pick it up but i mean i don't care either i, I hope the nuggets win just because i love jamal murray and i like joker a lot and i don't really like anybody on the clippers outside of Kawhi. so
1: now what do you think about all these rumors that i've been seeing Because again i'm part of a lot of different nba groups and whatnot on facebook and once the Bucks went down 3 0, it was all, you know, well, I guess Giannis is going to go to the Timberwolves. He's going to go to the Warriors. He's going to go to the Heat. He's going to go. I-, I don't know. Is he going to go anywhere? I-, I just feel like that's his team. That's his city almost.
0: I don't know, man. If you get 3 one out of there, I mean, it's kind of just the trend now. I- he needs a second superstar, and I don't think they can get one. Chris Middleton's their second superstar, and we both agree he's not a superstar, but they're paying him like he is. And so I don't think they have the cab space to go out and get another player to help. Giannis and he, he needs a player uh, I mean I, I think everybody needs you need a partner in crime in the NBA it's really tough to do it by yourself and Chris Middleton's more of a number three than I think a number two guy and so uh, I mean I'd be out of there I'd go find somebody where I can I have another superstar I can play with
1: Now of all the trade scenarios that I really like the sound of I think to the Warriors for the number two overall pick and Andrew Wiggins is very interesting I don't think that's enough No, there'd be more, but that's a really big start.
0: I think so too. I think, I think that, and then whatever kind of couple pieces they can they can throw in with it. Because I don't think that's enough for Giannis. However, they got to get something because he's an unrestricted free agent, right?
1: Uh, I'm not sure where he's at contract wise. Um, I believe. if they're I trading believe- him after the season, then he's got to have gears
0: up. Right. I believe the the whole thing is that he his contract will be up, and so that's why they're trying to move him, kind of thing. But I can't. I, I don't. I, he's going into the last year of his deal, or something like that. I could be wrong, uh, but I figured. I thought that's why there were the rumors of him being traded. Um, so I don't. I think I've heard about Toronto too, and obviously that would just be scary.
1: Well, uh, and that's the reason I said the Warriors are the most intriguing is because you've got Wiggins, who's a former number one pick and all star talent. And then you've got the number two overall pick, which could be whatever, Wiseman, Toppin, whoever you really like in the draft. It's a really great start to a rebuild versus, Agreed. I don't know, Toronto, Miami, what they can really offer.
0: I mean, it would depend. I think I think OG Anubaway would be on the way over there, um, and I think he's a really good piece. I actually think he's a better piece than Andrew Wiggins, if I'm being honest. Um, now, obviously, they can't offer a number two pick, uh, and that's huge because I think Wiseman or Toppin are both I I really do think they're kind of franchise altering players I I would love both of them on my team Um, Wiseman I think is going to be game-changing and like um, Wes Brown the guest we had mentioned I think Toppin is just a very smart basketball player so uh, that's going to hold a lot of weight I think that number two pick
1: now if I'm Golden State I would actually rather keep the two pick take Wiseman because I think Wiggins fits in really well with Golden State, and I think that Wiseman is a perfect fit for Golden State. Plus, you're bringing in some youth, so that when all these guys get older and retire or get traded, you're not left with nothing. You have younger players still coming up.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be fair, Giannis is what 25, so it's yeah. like you know he's he's still coming up, and he's already at the peak. So, uh, I mean, I think if you can get the, the talent, get the talent. I'd honestly, I, if I'm Milwaukee, that's not enough. I need. More than that, but I don't know what the Warriors would have to offer. I'd have to look at their roster
1: now. The sport that really more this is like an interview portion of the show is we've got the NHL, we've got the Knights win 4 3 against the Canucks, the Dallas Stars win against the Avalanche 4 3. They go play each other, and the Stars win yesterday 1 0. Obviously, we've got on the Eastern side the Lightning. Thump the Boston Bruins and then the Islanders squeak by. So we have the Lightning versus the Islanders tonight. And I'm curious, are we going to see a 4-1 against the Islanders or is this gonna be a tougher series?
0: Um, I don't think it's gonna be a tougher series. The Islanders are playing stupid good hockey, but so are the Lightning. And we're just I mean, we're a superior team talent-wise. Um, so I would think we should finish this series out four-one, four-two. Um, but you, again, you never know Goalies get freaky hot And then who knows what, what's going to happen But our goalie is freaky hot And our team is, is incredibly good right now There's there's a chance We'll get Stammer back in the finals um, If we make it there So that would be huge too That'll just be a boost So I, I mean, that's incredible The real storyline of this is Dallas right now I mean, that team is just I don't know what, their Kool-Aid I don't know what they're drinking But it's, it's fucking, I want some they're playing incredible hockey. They're doing better than I ever thought they would. They went from – I i don't exactly remember where they were in the scoring ranks. They were a bottom five team in scoring, and now they're sc- scoring four goals a clip every game. Now, granted, they got held to 1-0 last night against Vegas, but that's all they needed. Um, if they beat Vegas, oh, that's nuts. Vegas is really good.
1: Well, I, again, I don't really watch hockey. I do watch soccer, and I know that that's similar in terms of scoring, in terms of low scoring. Obviously, nowhere near the pace, but there are times I can watch a soccer game and it's one nothing, but I feel like one team completely dominated the game. In the case of the stars, the stars won one nothing. Did they dominate the game, or was it just a close game back and forth?
2: Uh, it
0: was a close game back and forth. Really, I mean, they played great hockey, but you know, Vegas had their chances and their opportunities, and his. The goalie, it's unfortunately, sorry, I got a piece of cat here. Um, the goalie, unfortunately, his name slipped in my mind, played extremely well last night, and you know just come up with a lot of big saves. I'm pretty sure he had over 30 in the game. So,
1: all right, so a one nothing game where it's very close all the way, this could still be you know a Knights win. Oh,
0: you know. you, I mean, don't get me wrong, the Knights were not bullied in this game, or the Knights didn't look bad. It's not like where you're like, damn. You know, Vegas is out. Like they're they're done. Uh, it's this is gonna be a dogfight, this whole series. I mean I fully expect Vegas to come back and win the series. Uh, I would just it's just crazy. I mean, you know, I had my power rankings come out for um, the NHL, you know, before these series started and, and Dallas was actually my number eight seed of the eight teams. Uh, and they came out and shocked to me. I thought Colorado was Number three pushing Vegas for number two the, the way Colorado looked in the first round of the playoffs I thought no way they lose and then Dallas came out and bullied Colorado and looked really good
1: Well, here's a question from somebody who lives in the Boston area again I don't really follow hockey but listening to talk radio listening to people talk about hockey One of the things that comes up is uh, Tyler Sagan and the fact that the Bruins had him They moved them to Dallas for not really a great return and a lot of the talk is that it had to do with the fact that Claude Julian is a you know defensive coach and Tyler Sikin just doesn't play defense. And he really had no intention of playing defense. He's like, listen, I'm a goal scorer. I'm going to score a lot of goals. And they're like, all right, well, then see it. We don't want you here on the team. But that seems like it was a mistake. Right?
0: I think it was a mistake too, especially because the the return they got for him, it, was, it wasn't really much. It was kind of peanuts. and. I think Tyler Sagan's a bona fide superstar. I mean, he was, you know, one of the – they do these lists, you know, top 25, under 25. You know, there's that in every league. And Tyler Sagan was on that list every year. He was under 25. The guy's a star. And, you know, sometimes you got to work around that. You know, uh, a lot of great, great, great goal scorers don't play defense, you know, or don't play much defense or didn't play a lot of defense. You know, I mean – Wayne Gretzky was never known as a defensive stud. You know what I mean. Now, granted, he'd get his he get his nose in there, but you know what I mean. You you for one, you wouldn't ask him to. And I'm not trying to compare Tyler Seguin you know, to Wayne Gretzky. I'm just saying, you know, sometimes goal scorers you need to use them what they do, and that's score goals. Um, that's unfortunately just not the way you know Boston plays hockey. They want every forward on their line to be a, a two way player.
1: Well, my understanding was comparing it to basketball, which I'm more familiar with, is that Claude Julien's style is very similar to Tom Thibodeau's style where it was very defensive and he's very much a hard ass. Like you don't play his game, sit on the bench.
0: And, and that's like Julian's James Harden simple. going to play for him.
1: Yeah. It was like Harden would never play for
0: Tom Thibodeau. But that's what I'm saying. And, and that's yeah. Tyler Sagan's essentially Harden, you know, playing for Thibodeau. You get what I mean? Yeah. And then now they sent him over to Dallas who's essentially like Houston who just says, Hey man, go out there and do your thing, bro. I mean, Dallas has the, unique strength of having a lot of really good young defensive players. um, So they can lean on them and let their forwards kind of do their thug dizzle. Uh,
1: Getting into baseball. This is a sport we have. I got some records here. I just want to kind of run through goes by division, but Tampa Bay, that's your team 27 and 13, eight and two over the last 10. So they're on fire. The Chicago white Sox. I knew this was going to happen. And when I was on triple shot sports, I predicted this. So if they're still listening, please confirm my prediction. Brandon was saying he thought the Twins were the real deal in the AL Central, and I said, that no, they're going to play the White Sox when we had this show. I said, they're going to play the White Sox. They are not going to do well. The White Sox are the real deal, not the Twins, and the Twins over the last 10 are 5-5. Five and five. The White Sox are 7-3, and three, and they now have a half-game lead there. Oakland Athletics, they're up 3.5 games. The Atlanta Braves are up uh, 2.5 ga- or 2 games on the Phillies, but the Phillies are on fire, 8-2 and two over the last 10. 6-4 for the Braves isn't too shabby either. I don't know. We'll talk about that. Uh, Chicago Cubs, 23 uh, 17. Who cares about them? Five and five over the last 10, they suck. And then we got uh, these Los Angeles Dodgers, 30 and 11. Uh, nobody's catching them. They're six games ahead of the Padres. They're not slowing down, eight and two over the last 10. The Padres still look good, 24 and 17. If they are in the AL, they'd be like the second seed. So I guess like, going through it, I mean, the White Sox, like I said, uh, I think they're the real deal in the Central, not the Twins.
0: Um, I actually kind of agree with you. I mean, if we go back to our initial baseball episodes, I was talking how I think the White Sox are going to be my team and like kind of my surprise team, them along with the Braves and obviously the Rays. The, those younger teams that have a ton of talent, they could just explode. The Padres ended up doing it. Uh, I agree. I love the White Sox. Lucas Giolito is a true workhorse for them. Luis Robert has been a, an absolute stud. He's in the top 10 in war for the league. Uh, Jose Abreu is playing out of his mind. Uh, I, I mean, it, it's just he's he's in the top 10 in war. So uh, Tim Anderson's in the top 10 in war for position players. You know, they've got a ton of players who are doing extremely well. Uh, and so, you know, that's that's going to help them.
1: And like I said, the Braves look really good, but it is only a two-game lead on the Phillies, who just had a great 10-game stretch. Do you think the Phillies are going to catch the Braves, or are the Braves too good? I, I
0: think the Braves are too good. Ronald Acuna was out for a while, and he's back now. And, I mean, they're, they're just on a tear. Marcelo Zuna's, you know, right up there in the league leaders with home runs. Max Freed is a god this year. I, I mean, have you seen him pitch? I mean, I'm pre- he's got a 1.6 ERA. The guy is just a monster now Aaron Nola is also a freak this year he's pitching extremely well and so you know they both have their aces doing what they're supposed to do I just trust Atlanta's lineup a little more
1: now going into the season one of the questions that I answered on several shows maybe even ours but I don't remember was it's only a 60 game season is anybody going to hit 400 and I said no chance because in a shortened season you know the first month of the season is always pitching dominant because guys are still trying to get their timing and so you basically only have a 2 month season. In which case, you know, nobody's going to hit 400 cuz everybody's going to start off hitting 250 to start off the year. So, again, we look at the league leaders right now, Trey Turner's at 368, Tim Anderson's at 360. Great, but obviously nowhere near 400.
0: Yeah, I mean, Charlie Blackman, you know, I had that brief stint where he was just, I mean, on fire. He was hitting, I mean, he was at one time he was hitting 500. So, <laughs> Uh, and that was deep into the season. Um, I say deep, you know, it was a month into the season. So he got off to the start. You needed. that somebody needed, but then he fell off and he just wasn't able to carry it. Um, I don't know, though. I'm telling you, I think Trey Turner's not close enough, but I mean, if he goes on a tear and gets up to 370, 380 with like a month left, I mean, I, I, I agree. I don't think anybody will hit 400, but uh, I mean, it's still I mean, it's still fun to watch.
1: Well, we talk about hitters, and one of the guys I'm sure you're not going to mind talking about here I have, Mike Trout, is 295, 15 home runs, first in the big leagues, 41 RBIs, is third, 676 slugging is first, 1071 OPS is first. The batting average is a little low, but it's still 35th in the league. Nobody's Like I said, nobody's really hitting for a high average. So Mike Trout continuing to do Mike Trout things and just – why would anyone – whenever he's like, oh, who's the best player in baseball? Can we just not have that conversation? It should all be who's the second best player in baseball.
0: It, it should always be who's the second best player in baseball. This isn't even a talk anymore. It's not a question. His war's actually surprisingly down. He's not a top 10 player in war this year, which is incredibly surprising. Um, but, I mean, it doesn't negate what he's doing on the field. The guy is just a god. I mean, he just crushes the baseball. It's just fun to watch, and then he still hits for, you know, his on base percentage is a little down this year. It's it's not above five hundred or not a, above four hundred, and he's a perennial four hundred on base percentage guy. Um, but that'll I'm assuming will change by the season ends. But I mean, he's just a stud. He does everything great, and he's the greatest baseball player to ever play the game.
1: Well, from one side of the ball to the other, I guess we have. Shane Bieber 7 and 0 125 ERA, 94 strikeouts, which is 14.7 per nine. Usually you see that kind of number from a closer, not from a starter. And looking through his stats, I was trying to figure out who is this guy. I'd never heard of him before. I mean, his career records like 34 and 13, 335 ERA. He was a fourth-round draft pick. And then this year he comes in, he's he just dominating. I mean, in strikeouts, too, not like dominating getting wins, but he's striking out everybody. So I look into velocity. He's got a 93, 94-mile-per-hour fastball. I saw somebody compare him to Jacob deGrom, who I brought up. Well, We'll talk about that later. DeGrom throws 99-100. But um, Plus, deGrom, again, we talked about this. All he does is have an ERA under two every single year, (laughs) and it's just dominating. But what's your take on on Bieber from the Indians? I mean, is this just like he's having a good year or watching him pitch? Is he the real-deal pitcher?
0: I think he's the real deal, especially because if you look at his second half last season, it's this—it's the same thing. His second half last season was also historically good and, and insane to watch, and just extremely impressive. And he ended the year on a tear, and a lot of people saw this coming and and saw Shane Bieber's you know ability to be the best pitcher in the league. He's just dominating in every category. He's running in wins era whip strikeouts everything he's just pure dominance uh he's he just places the ball extremely well he's extremely smart pitcher extremely smart pitcher i mean i'm not going to liken him to Greg maddox because that's where everyone goes when you mention a smart pitcher or or, you know using location well but he 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 has that ability to just fool the hitter with the pitch selection and where he's going to go with each pitch and what pitch he's going to throw and and He's just great at it. I mean he's one chess move ahead.
1: Well, One of the scouting reports that I read about him is that said he's not going to overpower you with his fastball, but his secondary pitches have ridiculous movement. Like his curveball is nuts.
0: And he has – I'm glad you said secondary pitches. He has more than one that are in dangerous. I mean insanely good pitches. So I, I mean he's just an all-around talent. I think he's here to stay for a long time, truly.
1: All right. I mean, that kind of covers baseball, and then, obviously, we get into everybody's favorite sport, which is football. So I was like, what do we have for football news? I wanted to kick things off with some signings, right? So we've got the extensions with uh, Deshaun Watson signs for four years, $160 million, 111 guaranteed. We've got Keenan Allen, four years, 80 $50 million guaranteed. On the de- defensive side of the ball, I don't have a graphic, but obviously Jadavion Clowney finally signs one year, $15 million with the Titans. Tradavius White becomes the highest-paid corner in the league with a four-year $70 million deal. I guess looking at all of them, what do you think Deshaun Watson's you know average annual value of $40 million a year? It's still top three, right? I mean, eventually you're going to have Mahomes making 50 or something. But, I mean, it seems like it's fair. I don't think he got overpaid.
0: Oh, no. I don't think he got overpaid at all. I mean, I think he's the next quarterback in line to get that money. He's not Patrick Mahomes, so he's not going to get Patrick Mahomes' money. But he is the. I mean, if I'm starting a franchise and I don't get Patrick Mahomes, I'm trying for Deshaun Watson my hardest. I mean, he's probably the next guy on that list for me because of his age, because of his ability to win games, and his athletic ability and, and arm talent. I think he is a better passer than Lamar Jackson, but is also a running threat, and he just doesn't run. You know, he uses his escape ability, but he doesn't have to run. You know, two hundred times a season. I, I'm I'm a huge Deshaun Watson fan.
1: Well, I had posted a graphic. If you follow us on Instagram and Twitter and whatnot, I posted a graphic saying, "All right, he's now uh, 111 million guaranteed is the most guaranteed money given to any quarterback ever, including Mahomes." So, obviously, we talked about how his guaranteed um, whatever it's called guaranteed. Uh, possibilities whatever
0: it is oh yeah because these guarantees are roster bonuses
1: right right so they could cut them anytime yeah. but my question is i put you know dak prescott now he's on the franchise tag now that watson's got 111 million guaranteed four and 160 what is dak gonna get on the open market next year i think he breaks that uh somebody had commented they said well you know what is dak prescott ever done i'm like what's deshaun watson ever done
0: <laughs> uh I, they're very similar. I, I wish I had the graphic in front of me. They're, they're, their records are eerily similar. Um, their numbers are eerily similar. Uh, I don't know if Dallas is going to pay Dak that kind of money, though. I I, I, I really don't. I think they're just going to keep franchise tagging him, um, and they're going to do the, the Kirk Cousins route. Um, but I think he'll get that. I, I don't think he'll get much over that. I think that's kind of now the number. like I think Dak will get 37, 38 mil AAV, you know, with a hundred million guaranteed. I don't know you think if he no- has
1: to take less than Watson.
0: See, but is it less? Like I get the numbers are less, but it's not. Like like yes, it's it's a million less a year, but that's the same fucking number. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I know it, it, and it may, it may sound different to the player. Like if you tell the player, well, we'll give you 37. And he's like, well, Deshaun got 30. Well, you're still getting four years, $150 million with a hundred million guaranteed. We're still making you a top five paid quarterback. We're still committing to you like that. Like, I don't know. I, I think the numbers will be eerily same. I don't know if there'll be more.
1: Well, the only reason I say I think they'd be more is because I feel like the reason they couldn't come to a long term deal in Dallas is because he wanted to set the mark. And now that you've got Deshaun Watson, there's no way I think he takes less than Deshaun Watson
0: now. He wanted 35 million and, and, or 35 or 36, and Dallas was stuck on like 33, 32 or something like that. Right. Um, so I, I don't think the 40, I don't think Dallas will come up to 38, 39. Now, obviously, obviously, that all depends on the season. You know, if he comes out and goes 14 and two, like you think, or I think they're going to go, I think it was 13 and three I predicted them to go, or 12 and four, I think they're going to be a very good football team. Uh, and he leads them to the NFC Championship game or something like that. Uh, I think he'll get his money for sure. I mean, then he definitely gets his money.
1: Now, on the defensive side of the ball, again, we were talking about Jadidian Clowney, and I feel like he got offered a multi year contract for a higher AAV. With the Cleveland Browns, where he would have been opposite Miles Garrett, and I'm thinking, why go to Tennessee for one year? Like, what was he just out of options? And nobody was calling him anymore.
0: I would assume so. Also, him and Mike Vrabel was on the staff that originally drafted him and was his positional coach in Houston when he was originally drafted. So for those four years, so he's got that connection with Vrabel that that I'm assuming has something to do with it. Uh, the system he knows, he can fit in and play well in, and he's comfortable with the system. Uh, I mean, I don't think it's a big, huge signing. We've discussed it before. I don't think Jadevian Clowney is the type of edge player that truly makes a difference. You know, so he, yes, he's a great football player. He's a guy you need on your defensive line, but he's not going to get you 10 sacks, 12 sacks a year. That's just not who he is. So he's not like an impactful player. I don't think he truly makes a big difference for Tennessee. I mean, he's he's going to make a difference and he's going to make their defense better, but it's not like a huge splash signing.
1: Well, So here's the thing is I thought the same thing, and he's been underwhelming, I feel like, throughout his career because we've seen what he's capable of, and he hasn't quite reached that. Somebody posted a statistic on one of the NFL groups I'm in, and I should have copied it, but basically it said that last year Jadevian Clowney faced, I think it was either the second or third most double teams of any player in the NFL, and yet he had like the second or third highest win percentage on pass rushes.
0: Okay, he still had four sacks.
1: Well, no, I'm saying so he obviously- still
0: wasn't in the top ten in pressures. So, I, I mean, it's I agree he wins. I mean, you have to. I mean, you do kind of have to double team the guy. Does dominate, but I mean, Aaron Rod or Aaron Donald gets double teamed and he gets 12 and a half sacks a season. Aaron Rod Aaron Donald gets double teamed and he is the number one, you know, person in pressures, you know, from the interior, you know. So, I, I mean, I just, you know, we we talked about uh, Yannick Ngakwe. You know, last week, you know, you said you don't love his numbers. He's number two in pressures over the last three seasons. He has more pressures than Von Miller over the last two seasons. You know, so it, it's I granted it's not all about the numbers. I like pressures more than I like sack numbers, to be honest with you. And Jadevian Clowney isn't even in the pressures numbers, so he's just not that player. He's a three-four defensive end, or he's a he's your your you know your your strong side defensive end. He's not a pass rusher.
1: So, wouldn't it have made sense to go to Cleveland, where well, they're going to double team Miles Garrett, so you can't double team both the edges? You know,
0: I, I would think so too. I, again, it had to have been familiar, familiarity, or like maybe just an issue with the coaching staff. He, I, I, I don't really love him in a four three. Uh, so, you know, I think he fits better with with um, Tennessee's defense.
1: Now, getting away from the signings, we get to cut down day. One of the puzzling. Things about cut down day for me was the New England Patriots releasing both of their kickers. And I guess they signed both of them to the practice squad. So, you know, they're kind of still trying them both out. I guess so. let so say you can promote somebody from the practice squad twice before you have to keep them on the regular game day roster. So they may just say, all right, who's going to win this week? Roarhauser wins. So he's going to start the game. And then next week, you know, we we'll have another competition if, you know, Falk wins and he's going to start the game. And you basically got four weeks now with those two guys on the practice squad kind of going back and forth on the game day roster.
0: Yeah, when you only got to pay them, oh, to like $2,000 or something to be on the practice squad instead of the league minimum to be on their active roster. Um, so it's a, it's a brilliant strategy. I like it. I mean, it's it, it, kicking's tough, man. You got to find those guys. And New England's had a, a pretty easy run of it with Vinatieri and Gaskowski. And, you know, speaking of Gaskowski, I used to work with his brother at a restaurant down here. I think I mentioned that. And then uh, Adam Vinatieri was just cut. By the Colts. Uh, the blanket ship kid uh, out of Georgia just beat him out for the job. So maybe you guys sign Veneterian. He makes a little comeback in New England.
1: Yeah, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> I, I kind of like the idea of Roarhauser because I think he does have a good leg. And I think that the reason Bill drafted him in the fifth round, which everyone questioned, is he said, you know, he's a cold weather kicker. He played more games in cold weather, so he's going to do well here. And I had mentioned that Bill Belichick, well, we all say in Bill we trust. That's the mm-hmm. New England thing. It's true, and when it comes to drafting, I know he doesn't have a great track record of drafting receivers or skill players, but when it comes to special teams, there's nobody in the NFL, I think, that scouts special teams better than Bill Belichick.
0: He started as a special teams coach, did he not? Yes. Yes yeah that's what i thought uh and so that makes sense i mean he takes pride in his special teams and it shows i mean it really does show you 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 guys are usually high up there and i mean he's proven to win games with special teams i mean how many games did adam vinatieri win on a single kick you know what i mean so uh i agree and bill you trust until it fails and it hasn't failed yet so fuck it
1: now this may not be news but josh rosen was cut and uh he was then added to the bucks practice squad now as a bucks fan what do you think about this signing?
0: Um, I think it's kind of got it's a no fail high reward scenario. You know what I mean? Like Josh Rosen is still an insanely rare talent at the quarterback position. The, the, the things he can do with the football are scary. Good. He just doesn't have it mentally. And we're hoping maybe he can figure that out. You know, Tom Brady is a really good guy to learn about and learn under. And who knows, you know, if he turns into something great, then it's a, it's a fantastic thing. If he's, nothing then it's cost us nothing because he's a practice squad cut you know it's not a big deal so i love this signing
1: i was surprised he signed as a practice squad quarterback because i feel like he could have gotten a backup position somewhere
0: i don't know about that No, i, I don't know I, I truly don't especially this late in the game people got their shit set now i mean everybody's you know pretty set at their positions i mean the week the game start this week bro
1: yeah well now, I had seen a graphic. I actually shared this graphic in Sports Soup, which is the TSS webpage, in case you guys are wondering. Uh, I shared it on there basically saying, you know, how do you feel about your general manager when he passes up a million dollar contract with Winston, a million dollar contract with Cam Newton, and he trades a fourth round pick for Nick Foles, who he's got to pay $21 million, and then Trubisky wins the starting position.
0: <laughs> now, I heard a take today that kind of explains this rather well, though. They couldn't make Nick Foles the starter. you you essentially just can't because then that means you've given up on Trubisky and he's done. So instead, so ownership essentially has come in and said, Hey, look, let's give Trubisky the start. Let's see how he does. You know, I think Brandon's scenario, unfortunately is going to play out pretty correct here. And Mitchell Trubisky will be out as the starter and Nick Foles will be in by week four because Mitchell Trubisky is awful at quarterback. (laughs) Awful. He's bad at quarterback.
1: I, uh, I I do. I think he's in the wrong situation, but I like him as a quarterback. I think in the right because he's very Derek Carr like, right? If you put him into like a West Coast offense, where all he's got to do is throw twelve yard passes, plus he's got mobility. But I think he's not
0: accurate. He's not as accurate as Derek Carr is.
1: No, I guess I I like him. I don't. Uh, And then we've, you know, the Denver Broncos released Todd Davis at linebacker, but the one that really intrigued me was Clay Matthews. Because when I see Clay Matthews gets cut, I'm thinking, well, you know, he's washed up. That's what I'm thinking, right? Well, last year he had eight sacks in 13 games. Like, So he still puts pressure on the quarterback.
0: Yeah, he still has a role. Um, again, I don't know what his, his cap number is, and I'm assuming that's kind of the issue. Um, or also, it was Denver, right?
1: Uh, he was with the the Rams, I thought.
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah, you're, you're correct. My fault. Uh, the Rams have some, you know, talented young linebackers that they're bringing up through the ranks. And so I think, you know, they're just kind of making room for them.
1: All right. be nice signing, I think for the uh, New England Patriots. Every, you ever notice that anyone who gets cut that's a big name? Everyone's like, oh, the Patriots. Like, he's going to go yeah. to the Patriots. <laughs> uh, did you
0: see Damian Harris got pushed to the practice squad or to the IR?
1: Oh, I didn't. No, I, I saw yeah. he made the 53 man roster buttons.
0: Yeah, but then he just got placed on the IR. Some uh, of a finger surgery. So he's out for the first, I think, four weeks. So unfortunately, I think spell- that spells the end for him because uh, I think he needs time, and he's just not going to get it. Now I'm surprised. Now, now I bet New England's really unhappy they didn't sign Leonard Fournette.
1: Well, now I'm going to say let's get into it with the NFL cuts, because if you're tuned in, definitely feel free to comment on this. Plenty of people did. Plenty. Which, which is Adrian Peterson was cut by the Washington Redskins. Washington and, and, football team. Oh, Washington football team. I'm sorry. And our the Infinity Sports post on the matter was – Piece of shit child beater has been released. And we got thirteen hundred engagements out of that. <laughs> A lot of people not so happy with the phrasing that we used.
0: Not at all. They did not like that at all.
1: I mean, it's true. The truth it's, hurts, I guess.
0: And that's what i and that's what blows my mind the most. Um, is it's 100 percent true. And I don't I don't get like I'm not gonna come on here and apologize for anything that was said. I'm not going to come on here and apologize for, unfortunately, which is terrible, but anybody we lost, I mean, that sucks. That's obviously not the goal, but we didn't say anything derogatory. We didn't say anything wrong. All we've said is we think a person who beats his four-year-old son till he bleeds is a piece of shit. If you don't agree with that, don't don't listen to our show. That's okay. I'm okay with you not listening. It's unfortunate, but I, I mean, shit.
1: Well, let's get into the crux of the issue because I had a lot of different discussions myself within these, you know, conversation groups. Yes. I actually had had about four or five people come around to my side, and one of them actually apologized to me.
0: I did see that actually. And, I saw and, that.
1: And actually, ended up having a nice conversation with them after that.
0: Yeah, I did. I said like the yeah. f- comment after was you guys talking about you know random shit. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and the thing was is that I think that. The number one thing that people thought about the Adrian Peterson thing. It's like, hey, this is a guy who spanked his kid. He got in trouble. Nobody's allowed to hit their kids anymore, right? And and, and I felt like I had to educate them. On, it wasn't a spanking. Do you understand? This wasn't – and so a lot of people saying, oh, well, where would you get your information from? I was like, I don't know. The Washington Post um, <laughs> who posted the police report. And I'm going to see if I, – I can't read it because it's so small. But I can read it Me you Yeah, go go ahead and read some of like, the, the stuff I would highlighted and read there.
0: The beating allegedly resulted in numerous injuries in the child, including cuts and bruises to the child's back, buttocks, ankles, legs, and scrotum, along with defensive wounds to the child's hands. Peterson then texted the mother saying that one particular would make her mad at the – would she will be mad at the leg. I, I got kind of good with the tail end of the switch. Then another part says he acknowledges that the injury to the child's scrotum in a text saying, oh, that's what, that's, yeah, that's the one I said. I'm all tearing up, that butt up when needed. I don't know. I can't read it. Yeah. According to the police report, the child, however, had a slightly different storytelling authorities. Daddy Peterson hit me in the face is quoted from the child. Uh, then he added that Peterson put leaves in his mouth when he was being hit with the switch while his pants were down. Yeah,
1: yeah. So that was Pretty the big thing when we stuff. talked. About, yeah, when we talked about like you know he shoved leaves in, his, leaves in his mouth and he to shut him up and he like whipped him. He had lacerations on his legs, his back, his buttocks, his hands, and his scrotum, and he was bleeding from. All, and people, were like, oh, where'd you get that information? It's in the police report. You know, yeah. it's right here. This is what happened. And people, were like, well, what, did anyone ask the kid? Yeah, his, his testimony is right here in the police report. It's literally
0: happened. quoted. The child is quoted in that police report.
1: And I'm going to say, you know, I have one more graphic on this. And so I'd say that if you're squeamish or if you don't like things to kind of, you know, you can tune out for a few seconds. I'm giving you a fair warning. Uh, But I have a graphic here, which was police evidence as well and included in a lot of the stories. These are some of the lacerations on the legs. Um, I mean, they're all down the kid's legs and you can see where it broke blood. It broke skin and made him bleed. And that's just one leg. I mean, he had these same lacerations on his back and his rear end and his screw i mean he got whipped really good not whooped like people he got whipped really good and totally unacceptable and i've taken the position that listen i'm anti-spanking so for those of you who are watching i'm anti-spanking i just i took psychology in school i'm not a caveman i know how to raise a kid without hitting them my parents hit me so for those of you who are like oh my parents hit me and i turned out fine questionable and i would argue that if you did turn out fine you turned out fine in spite of what they did to you not because of at least psychologically that's what we're taught because it's such a bad impact to hit your kid. So i don't even believe in spanking my kid but if he had gotten if he had spanked his kid and got in trouble for it i would have felt the same way as these people like hey listen man i don't believe in spanking but he slapped him on the rear end you know whatever you know but that's not what happened here i mean he whipped the kid his child And then, I don't know if it was months later or a year later, he gets investigated by child services again because his kid had a bruise on his head. And his mother asked in a text message, you know, where do you get this bruise? And Adrian Peterson said, Oh, he hit his head on the car seat. She goes, Well, how'd that happen? He said, I had to give him a whooping in the car. You know, I mean, this is a huge pile of shit. Person. Like, this is a horrible, horrible human being. So anybody who was attacking us and defending him, like he is a piece of shit.
0: And and that's the point we're trying to make. Is uh, I think we both agree. However, you want to parent your your children, you parent your children. That's your business. I'll stay out of it. Until you end up physically abusing somebody, and then I'm going to put my nose in your fucking business, and then that's when I have a problem with it. Um, I, again, I can't stand by anybody not thinking this guy's a piece of shit. Uh, I just don't understand it. You know, the, the the evidence is there. He admits to it. He pled guilty to these charges, folks. Uh, I, I don't know what we're trying to argue here. He pled guilty to misdemeanor abuse of a child, or I don't, I don't know what the exact.
1: It was, know, it was assault and child endangerment
0: there you go and pled guilty to that so i mean he, he he's admitting he did this i i just i don't understand i don't understand how it's a race issue it turned into a political issue and you wouldn't report this if it was where's your ben roethlisberger hate post well Ro- ben roethlisberger didn't just get fucking cut when ben Roethlisberger gets cut by the steelers i'll say hey a rapist got cut like it, like i will like you know like I, I don't i don't see the i don't get it and it's we didn't talk about any of the stupid pedophile politicians because this isn't a political show or political page so we're not going to post every day about joe biden and donald trump and their craziness we're not going to do it so don't bring that into the to the argument this is a sports argument and a piece of shit beat his son and so he's no longer on a football team so i don't care
1: and and that's really where it went i think was the the one (laughs) argument i had that we were talking about the the threat i had is the gentleman said you know if he was white you wouldn't have said this and I said, well, what in my posting history would suggest I would that?
0: Ever suggest that,
1: you know, ever. Unless you're just assuming it because I'm white, in which case that's just as bad as the other way around. Exactly. <clears throat> and I had mentioned to the guy, I said, you know, when I pr- provided the, uh, the documents and the images and things like that, and uh, I think he ended up saying – and I actually asked him. I said, listen, I have to ask you a question, and I'm not doing this to argue with you, and I'm not doing it to kind of criticize you, but I am curious why you brought race into it. Because I didn't, you brought it in. I didn't bring it in. I'm curious why you went that route, and you know, instead of getting angry, he said he got back to me. He goes, you know what? He goes, I I, said, I apologize. You know, it's just the world we live in today. I just felt like it was. I said, all right, fair enough. And we ended up having a nice conversation about raising kids. Uh, he's got a daughter, and I have a daughter, and and we talked about that. And again, it's okay to have these conversations. If you're going to defend Adrian Peterson, please learn the facts. And that's the big thing that people kept saying to us is like, oh, where you? You need to learn your facts. I just Uh showed them all on the screen. We (laughs) have the
0: correct facts. Yeah,
1: Um, They're the ones that needed to be educated. And then once you educate them, they went away and stopped commenting. Um, I understand. If you like the guy, like if you like the guy I get trying to defend him, I guess. Like I know when Kobe Bryant got accused of rape, I defended him right up. This is my guy. I'm on Kobe Bryant's side Mm -hmm. until whatever the facts come out. Yeah. Well, the facts came out and he didn't do it. Yeah. The facts came out by Adrian Peterson, and he did. Yes. So it's that's where we're at. I mean,
0: No, I agree completely. And, you know, Gary Gauthier, I mean, you're, you're he's been a great friend of mine. Unfortunately, he's one of the ones that left. Um, 40 Acres in a Mule movement, uh, 40acresinamule.com. It's his movement. Um, it's his, you know, uh, thing that he's getting behind and things like that. So if you guys want to check that out, please do go check that out. Uh, Garius, I'm sorry we lost you, buddy, you know, but, you know, it is what it is. I can't defend a guy like that.
1: And the last bit is we're not going to get to the Infinity Five, so that's good because it gives Dan more time to prep his – I've actually uh,
0: got it, but okay.
1: Okay, that's fine. Well, we got one more thing we (laughs) we have to get to um, because it's in the title of the show, and that is this clip here from Stephen A. Smith. If you haven't seen it, again, it's about 35, 40 seconds.
2: Here you go. This is white privilege. This does not happen for a black man. No experience whatsoever on any level as a coach, and you get the Brooklyn Nets job, I know that Kyrie and KD have both signed off on this. I know they both support this move. But I'm thinking about a champion that is Ty Lue passed up. I'm thinking about a guy who built the foundation for the Golden State Warriors in Mark Jackson passed up. I'm thinking about the years that Sam Cassell has served as an assistant, first in the nation's capital in DC and now with the Los Angeles Clippers passed up. And it's for a guy, my God, one of the best guys you could possibly meet in your life and may do a fantastic job, but a guy that has no experience whatsoever.
1: So I don't just, dis- I, well, I don't disagree a hundred percent with what he's saying. It's with what he said. And that is that he said, if this is a black man, this does not happen. The same organization hired Jason Kidd, who was a player the year before. So he was a player, and then he was a coach the following year.
0: Mark Jackson was hired in Golden State with zero coaching experience, by the way. Just so we're clear, the guy he brought up was hired in Golden State with no coaching experience.
1: And it happens so all the time. It happens it all happens. the
0: time. Isaiah Rivers, Isaiah Thomas, Doc Rivers hired without coaching experience. Magic, Magic Johnson. Johnson hired yeah. without coaching experience. It happens all but Derek Fisher hired without coaching experience. It happens all the time. This it makes no sense. Also, his no experience. Yeah, he's only run the Canada basketball team for the last two years and been a consultant for the for the Warriors for the last three years. So, uh, I mean, yes, it's not a coach, but it's not like he's been away from basketball or anything like that. It's not like he hasn't been behind the scenes and learned that side. This honestly infuriates me. It it it. it because it's not a race issue and you're making it a race issue and that just compounds the problem to me and 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 i don't i hate that it, it how does he know that mark jackson wasn't considered or tyrone Lu was considered honestly the rumors were tyrone Lu was considered and was all was was in all reports was one of the favorites for the job however kd and kyrie wanted steve nash so I, I I just don't know. I can't I can't get behind this. Stephen A. Smith is a fucking joke anyway. so
1: Well, and here's my thing is that I think that this is life. Welcome to life in the real world. Whether you work at Walmart, McDonald's, or the NBA, somebody's going to get a promotion that doesn't deserve it. Yes, It just happens. It has nothing to do with race. It has to do with the manager likes you better or whatever. In this case, the owner likes Steve Nash better. The players like Steve Nash better. Yeah. It has nothing, nothing to do with race. And just like the gentleman who race baited me, I think, in the Adrian Peterson argument, I think Stephen A. Smith owes America an apology for making it about race because i think it was just about an organization who has a minority owner by the way hiring a guy who has a big name who has experience as a consultant and who was recommended by the two highest paid and best players in the team
0: i mean who also comes from a system and background that is offensive and run and gun and and something that will bring excitement and all these things that i assume you know, went into his pitch, you know, and things like that. It, it I agree completely. It just bugs me. I think he owes Steve Nash an apology. I think he owes the Brooklyn Nets organization an apology to just assume they were doing things like that. Now, I agree. There need to be more black head coaches or minority head coaches in basketball and minority uh, GMs and presidents and things like that. I completely agree. But that doesn't mean every hire is a white privileged hire. Yes, there are some. I'll, I'll, there's probably some. I'll admit that. This is not one of them, and for him to blast that, use his platform on national television like that, is it's shameful. It's truly shameful.
1: It is. Like I so if he wanted to go on and say, "Listen, this guy wasn't the most experienced candidate," fine, but just don't say it's white privilege because what it is is it's superstar privilege, if anything. Yeah, yeah that's exactly what it is. Yes. yes, whether you're white or black, we talked about Magic Johnson, Isaiah yeah. Thomas,
0: Larry Bird. S-
1: yeah, if you're a superstar, you get superstar treatment, and that's what Steve Nash got here. He didn't get white treatment. He got superstar treatment. And so I was just very upset about this, and, and I'm a big, big person for equality too. I yeah. mean obviously that, that's a – just like child beating, I hate that. I hate people who you know uh, are racist and who who – I think there are times when people get passed over who shouldn't because of race, and it's awful, and it should never happen. Like you said, this is not one of those times.
0: No, it's not. And, again, we both agree there should be more minority coaches and and owners and things like that in the league. But, again, to reiterate the point, this wasn't a white-privileged hire. This was a – if anything, like you said, it was a star power hire, star name hire. You know what I mean? It it looks good to say, hey, Steve Nash is coaching the Brooklyn Nets, you know, with KD and Kyrie and, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie and, you know, all these young, talented players like Karis LeVert. I mean, that team's good. Like, they're good. So (laughs) –
1: so, anyways, I appreciate everybody tuning in and listening to us. Obviously, that's kind of the meat of the show. Obviously, if you saw the title of the show, it's you know Adrian Peterson and child beating and, and Stephen A. Smith. You had to wait till the very end to get it. And actually, hey, if you're listening, yeah, if you're listening on the RTF Network, you're probably not even hearing this because it's <laughs> over an hour. So please check us out. As I mentioned at the start of the show, and I will put it up there again. We are available on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can hear the entire show. We are on YouTube. If you want to watch the entire show, and obviously you can reach out to us on facebook on instagram on twitter and on the website go to website you have links to all of them you got the store please support the show like i said not only could you get your infinity sports gear you can get the 12 is greater than nine which is very popular right now and of course the sully collection right now is just the uh the who gives a shit but you know we're going to add more stuff to that as we come <laughs> up with cool stuff so uh again thank you for listening and and definitely thank you for uh you know the support that we've gotten so far please continue to support the show
0: yeah, definitely. Thank you all very much. We love you to death. Uh, just keep on supporting, keep on commenting anytime you want to reach out. We'll, we'll love to do it. So Kenny, that you over back there.
2: You, you back there.